Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 17th of September. Tensions between China and Australia have escalated overnight after yesterday's historic defence deal with the US and UK. A Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson says the alliance seriously undermines regional peace and stability and aggravated the arms race. While the Washington Post is this morning reporting Chinese state media has warned Australia that it should prepare for the worst. Strategic Policy Institute of Australia Director Michael Shoebridge says the historic AUKUS announcement between Australia, the US and UK is as much about sending a message to China as it is about boosting our defence capabilities. The world's changed because China has changed under Xi Jinping. That's what the three leaders are telling our populations and the rest of the world. That's what it's about. There's symbolism, but in a long-term challenge from China, the capability is going to be meaningful. To the latest on the COVID crisis now, where some restrictions will ease for residents in Victoria from midnight tonight. The Health Department has given the green light on picnics, walks or other activities with five adults from two separate households if everyone is fully vaccinated. But Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews says curfews in the city of Melbourne are here to stay for the foreseeable future. Well, Victorians can be very clear about one thing. We act on health advice and I have no advice to remove the curfew. The curfew works. The curfew means less people are out visiting people in their homes uh, doing things that are against, against the rules. Restrictions will also ease in many parts of regional Victoria, with gyms and indoor pools set to reopen as early as tomorrow morning. Meantime, New South Wales has hit another grim milestone with more than 200 deaths from the current COVID outbreak. 12 deaths were recorded yesterday and 1,351 new infections. New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard is urging people to get the jab. Please, 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 if you haven't been vaccinated, don't delay, get vaccinated. We know that vaccinations save lives, vaccinations stop you, stop you or at least reduce your chances of ending up in hospital or in ICU or dying. On the state's vaccine front, 80% of those aged 16 and over have had one vaccine, while New South Wales is edging closer to 50% double dose. The vaccine deadline for Australia's aged care workers has arrived. All employees must have received at least one COVID-19 vaccine by today. United Workers Union Aged Care Director Caroline Smith says any reduction in staffing would be a disaster for an industry already struggling. Currently, aged care is already suffering a workforce shortage. We have a real crisis of understaffing in aged care. Every day we hear of shifts not being filled at facilities. So losing any staff, particularly if it's a significant number, could have a real impact. It comes as France suspended 3,000 unvaccinated health staff after they failed to comply with the country's mandatory COVID vaccination rules. 
now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we begin in Queensland and the state has legalised voluntary assisted dying overnight. 61 MPs supported the legislation and 30 voted against it. As our reporter Amy Drew explains from Brisbane, the landmark ruling follows decades of lobbying by advocates. Yeah, Tash. Well, some MPs have described it as one of the most significant issues they've grappled with in their political careers. And the public gallery erupted in applause at the vote's conclusion. It has been a pretty hard slog to get these laws heard. The issue first referred to the Parliamentary Committee in late 2018. Since then, there's been two inquiries, dozens of public consultations and involvement from the state's Law Reform Commission. And this week, a lot of tears have been shed, several MPs detailing their experiences with watching close family and friends suffer through terminal illness. The Premier was among them speaking last night. Anastasia Palaszczuk has described the passing as a coming of age for Queensland. It's very historic and I think Queenslanders have spoken loud and clear and we've listened. I'm actually, it's quite emotional and we've heard so much respectful debate in the Parliament. I'm just very, very proud of how everyone conducted themselves. Now, the laws are not set to take effect until January 2023, but once they are in, it will give terminally ill Queenslanders the choice when to end their life if their illness is expected to cause death within a year. And to New South Wales, and concerns are growing. The devastating mouse plague is about to return to regional areas. Experts say large numbers of mice appear to have survived the cold conditions during winter, and it's not just farmers in New South Wales now on alert. Our reporter, Sean Patterson, has more from Orange. Tash, the signs are certainly pointing to a horror spring. Normally the winter frost wipes them out, but that doesn't seem to be the case this year. Crops are already showing signs of mice damage, especially in places like Queensland and northwest New South Wales, where temps are warming up. Steve Henry from the CSIRO says baiting is critical. We're hopeful that farmers have been proactive enough to bait mice early, push that population a bit lower and slow the rate of increase. While a Zoom forum is being held for New South Wales farmers next week, so they can hear directly from scientists and officials on what to expect. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. Now, the unemployment figures were released yesterday. They looked good on the surface, but as we know, the devil is always in the detail. Tash, good morning. Yeah, look, I'd love to say it was a great result. In fact, the number itself was the lowest unemployment rate in percentage terms for the last 13 years, if you can believe that, basically back to the GFC. Unfortunately, though, it was all caused by the fact that people simply gave up looking for work. The economy lost the best part of 150,000 jobs. A um, number of people worked, fell massively, and those underemployed rose from 83 to 9.3%. So, look, I love, I love a great headline number. I'd love to be optimistic about this one. This is simply a case of the stats not telling the full story. And unfortunately, we've got a little bit of work to do to get the economy back on track when these lockdowns finally do end. And, Scott, as we know, COVID has been so tough for so many employees, employers and businesses. But mm. Maya is one of the exceptions, making its first second-half profit since 2017. It's a heck of a story and a heck of a year to do it, isn't it? It is an incredible story. Maya, of course, the darling of department stores, there was a time when we all went to town to go to David Jones or go to Maya. Those times are long past, and Maya has been desperately, desperately struggling to try and find some growth. This year, finally, it's actually found a little bit of it. Probably COVID supported, plenty of people shopping uh, online from home. We all went to the brands that we kind of knew and trusted. If you jumped online, you generally went for a brand you knew and you had shopped in before. Maya seems to have been a decent beneficiary of that one. 
Unfortunately, the share price is still down more than 83% since its IPO many years ago. Gosh, and talking about profit, Telstra is forecasting profit growth for the first time since 2017. Yeah, that seems to be in a market year 2017, doesn't it? Myers finally yes. turned a profit and Telstra is saying they're going to grow their profit for the first time in four years. In fact, the CEO, Andy Penn, is targeting double-digit percentage growth between now and 2025. Now, it's taken a heap of costs out, more than $2 billion of costs out. A third of the workforce is gone. But he says now it's not about cost-cutting, it's about focusing on growing the business it's a pretty amorphous plan. There's not exactly sure, not exactly clear how he's going to do it. But Telstra becoming something of a multi-channel retailer and a multi-product retailer. Talk about potentially selling energy and other things uh, and also using its software to better effect. We'll see whether that comes to part of the case. But uh, he's certainly giving it a red-hot go and investors liking it. The share's almost back to $4 level I haven't seen in the last two years. Scott, thank you. Thanks, Dash. <laughs> Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett. Two of the game's best fullbacks will go head-to-head tonight in the NRL in Mackay. Yes, good morning, Tash. We cannot wait for this. Of course, Tom Trebojevic, who has been in outstanding form this season, wasn't at his absolute best in the loss to the Storm last week. And then we've got James Tedesco wearing the number one for the Roosters, dragging them across the line against the Titans in their last game. Coach Trent Robinson says his number one is ready for the challenge. I mean, that's lazy coaching if you don't prepare well for players and and also opposition. Uh, We understand where their strengths are. You know, you don't want to narrow your focus too much on one guy and not the rest. Now, Nathan Hindmarsh believes Parramatta has more to give and can knock Penrith out of the finals in tomorrow night's semi in Mackay. The Eels start as the overwhelming underdogs, but Hindy is tipping an upset. I like Parramatta for another upset. <sighs> I tipped them in Melbourne a few weeks ago. and They played each other not long ago. Eels with a massively understrength team. Confidence is down a bit with, with Penrith, and I'm going to go with Parramatta in the Southwest. <sighs> the Bunnies and the Storm await in the prelims next weekend, Tash. Who's your tip then, Brett? Well, I'll go for Manly and Penrith. Well done. Now, in the (laughs) AFL, does the organisation have a plan B if COVID cases happen to appear in Perth before the grand final next week? They do have a plan B, but they won't be telling us, Tash. Uh, Gil McLaughlin, the AFL chief, is confident that they can cope if cases do appear in the lead-up to the grand final. Of course, we know that Perth uh, doesn't mind a snap lockdown if they get you know, even just one or two cases. Uh, but he has revealed that Optus Stadium sold out in record time. I gather there was 180,000 people in the queue, which is, I know definitively, an Australian record, but I think it's a world record. And having that checked, I can't be absolutely certain, but it'd have to be, I would have thought. Now, the Brownlow medal is Sunday night in Perth as well. Ben Cousins reportedly plans to attend. He has been invited by the AFL and the Age reports that that invitation has been accepted. And uh, some more announcements coming out of league headquarters. Brad Scott is the new football operations manager in charge of things like the rules and the match review system. He says he never had a conversation with Carlton about their vacant coaching role. Football clubs are going to cast the net far and wide and but no, we never got to the point where we had discussions. So no footy in the AFL but a bit going on, Tash. Yeah, a bit week. going on indeed. And a big win for band swimmer Shana Jack at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Yeah, she's free to return to competitive swimming immediately. The Court of Arbitration for Sport dismissing an appeal, a joint appeal from WADA and uh, Sport Integrity Australia that her two-year ban was too lenient. She tested positive to a small amount of the banned substance, Legandrol, in the lead-up to the World Swimming Champs in 2019. So it's come at the wrong time in terms of the Olympics, but Shana Jack, if she wants to, can return to the pool. Big weekend in sport. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. 
And Sir Elton John is postponing the next leg of his farewell tour to undergo hip surgery. The 74-year-old had a recent fall and despite physio and specialist treatment, he hasn't recovered and the injury is limiting his movement and causing pain. But Sir Elton says he'll be back with the farewell tour kicking off in the US in January. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's Morning Agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. Stay safe and we'll see you Monday. Listener.